And that is our brand new 22 second intro. Thank you, Michael Teehee. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, program faculty member for Influential You and your host for this weekly podcast. Today, we have a very special episode as we welcome Shoshana French to the Influential You podcast. Shoshana is a globally known coach, speaker, and intuition expert. Her goal is to cultivate wildly successful leaders through the practical power of intuition. She's the founder of Simple Spirit. She's a keynote speaker. She's a coach to NFL leaders. She's a coach to Broadway and television stars. She's a coach to million and billion dollar business founders, CEOs, and business professionals. And she supports her clients to trust their intuitive superpower to navigate the simple to life-changing decisions that they have to make. You can find out more about her practice by visiting her website, simplespirit.com, and we'll be sharing that throughout today's program. Shoshana joins us from Denver, Colorado. So if you would hit that like button, send us a comment, smash that follow button on whatever app you're using so we know that you're listening and welcome Shoshana French to the Influential You podcast. Shoshana, I am so (laughs) excited to have you here, but before we begin, you and I didn't even meet until far after you began studying here. Would you mind telling our viewers and listeners your version of how you even found out about Influential You? Uh, It was actually my husband and his business partner, my sister-in-law now, but at the time, just his sister, who were in Fundamentals of Transaction, and they just said, you have to come check this thing out. How they learned about it was through transformational education we'd all been part of. Rachel was someone who was doing the work, and she kind of invited them, and they invited me, and that's how I ended up here. It's so fun to kind of see like the grandparents and and nieces and nephews and and how it kind of flows with the word of mouth that we've had for so long. But we're so lucky to have them give a great example, I guess, of what the program was about. What was it that attracted you to the program at that time? Um, Prior to doing FOT or even coming into, at the time was Influence Ecology, most of my business sort of understanding came from reading books, but also came from doing work like world's greatest marketing seminar. And some of what um, Stephen, who's now my husband at the time was telling me about it was that there, this was a different conversation. This was not a transformational, you know, like change the way you're thinking and transform your life kind of conversation. This was a practical thing that when you applied it would help you better understand your business, but also then affect the most important areas of your life in a very measurable way. And I needed more kind of reality and logic at that particular moment in my business life. And that was what attracted me to it. That's so good. And and we're going to talk about that a little bit more about what life was like before, because I imagine as someone who studies what you do with intuition and, and you probably trust, and for lack of a better term that I know, trust your gut quite often. And in, in the show notes, you had mentioned something about, I trusted my intuition in very strong opinions that I'd move, but it was fun, but it wasn't really sustaining. It wasn't really hitting what you were aiming for. And I'd love to hear just in deeper kind of conversation, what, what was it like before? Tell me about 
how your business was, how was, how were things going for you? Um, what comes into my mind is a little bit like there's a big tree and a leaf falls out of the tree and lands in the water. And then it kind of is like in this flow and it's moved around by the, you know, by the, by the flow that it's in, not really determining where it's going. <laughs> so mm. how I was in my business was, uh, people would give me ideas, tell me that they wanted me to offer a class or they would tell me, um, I'd love to have you come do this party. And most of my business and how it grew didn't really have any structure and it didn't really have any far off, you know, vision or, I don't know, practical planning. We'll just say it like that. Mostly I was like a leaf in the stream, <laughs> kind of just moving through business. Now, to be clear, it wasn't going terribly. At the time that I came to Influence Ecology, I had been on television, I had been on the radio locally in Denver. I had a pretty successful practice of clients. However, I just couldn't see, I couldn't see where this was all headed. And that was really what was missing. Um, for people listening, I'm a performer, <laughs> not a surprise. It will become quite apparent and clear by the time we're done with this conversation. But as a performer, I was mostly connected to and paying attention to relationships. And I'm, that is really, I'm so good at that, but I'm not good at strategic planning. And I'm definitely not good at looking afterwards and go, did that plan work? Did it achieve the aim? So mostly I was kind of just doing what performers do sometimes, which is like being in the present moment engaging with people and hoping it's all going to turn out. And that was pretty much where I was. <laughs> I, 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 I like that idea of like kind of that leaf and that, the, that analogy you just gave, because as we know that performer, that constructivism that the performers look through that, that we're, he, we're in the here and now we're right here, right? Where our relationship to time is the present. And I imagine that that's incredibly valuable in a lot of cases, especially in what you teach with intuition, but then at the same time, if you lean too much on it and you're not looking to plan for the long term, it can be very dangerous to just only rely upon that one tool, I imagine. Is that how it felt like for you? Or I'd love to hear kind of with your expertise on the topic, what that was like. Well, in, intuitive decision making, intuition is really great for creating something, for mm. looking out beyond, for innovation. That's what I often say leaders who leverage intuition can innovate but that's not the same thing as logic which is uh, solving problems so if i say what i'm interested in is let's just to throw a number out i want to make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in revenue in my business um that now is a problem that i need to use logic to construct a solution when i was being the leaf in the water and kind of just being at the effect of wherever conversations with people led me and my business was just kind of doing what it did. I mostly was not constructing one intentionally constructing, like what's the plan? What are the tools? What's missing? And then really, and this part is surprising. And I remember Kirkland and I talking about this like a million years ago, but I was not leveraging the relationships I was building. I had really good relationships, but because I didn't have any sort of clear plan, of where I was heading, then I couldn't see how to um, leverage those relationships. Like what's the best way to these, this NFL at the time, if I knew what I know now, then this NFL coach that I was doing work with, 
I would have leveraged that relationship very, very differently. It was, it was, a. I had a, like, I'm doing a service and buy. It was kind of like that kind of, you know, um, transaction and um, was not terrible, but it definitely did not build what was possible once I more understood how to transact to have my needs met. And more than that, defining what, what those needs were. What are those conditions of life that I cared about and wanted to have clear goals, outcomes, intentions? None of that was really all that present other than doing pretty good and then doing a little bit better than that. <laughs> that yeah. was pretty much how yeah. it went. Yeah. And a couple of the examples that you gave, and um, I love these because they're, I think they're, there's somebody somewhere that's listening to this is going to be going through one of these similar things. You're just kind enough to give me a list. Didn't have, didn't do, it says, didn't do any planning at all. Uh, thinking you, there wasn't any long-term thinking, little savings at 36, little to no kind of retirement plan goals that were less than 12 months away. Um, there wasn't anything longer than 12 months. You had a full-time job, plus you were building your uh, uh, business full-time, no exit strategy. Uh, that seems like a lot of overwhelming uncertainty that probably was eating at you a little bit, I imagine. Um, can you tell me a little bit more of, of that feeling or what that's like to be in the midst of all of those things and my guess is around session three, start to confront <laughs> all of those things. But, but tell me a little bit more about what that was like in your in your world. Well, what I would say is that, and I remember um, even before I got into FOT and I went to an open training session and they had us do this exercise about it really like confronting my naivety, not even the despair, right? Just the naivety I had about what would be required to someday retire. And it was just a really simple mathematical equation. And I, it flipped me out. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I was freaked out because I hadn't really confronted that. It was kind of like what was in my thinking was, this will start doing better and I'll make a bit more. And eventually it'll be time to leave my job. And then I'll make a little bit more. And then eventually I'll be making enough that I can start like re a retirement fund. I was like mid thirties, like that mm -hmm. thinking. Um, and by the way, there were a lot of other people in that room with me who were doing that mathematical equation that were not, <laughs> that were in a very similar position to me, yeah. which is like in other work, they call it magical thinking. I was just in this like very magical thinking that out of sight, out of mind, you know, like little kids, like I can't see you, but I just hadn't dealt with yeah. the, the realities of what it takes to have the kind of financial future I wanted. And um, it was just purely from never having had a conversation where I looked at my business from the perspective of this is my vehicle for achieving the aims I have, but only if I plan for it. And so um, I would say that I was so in magical thinking, there wasn't a feeling of overwhelm because until I sat and we did that math, I wasn't actually being... I wasn't being an adult about it. I was kind of mm. still like being that little kid and hoping that it was all going to turn out. Um, and it, to be clear, people did work with me as an intuitive because I was really grounded in reality yeah. in general, but that is not the same thing as 
confronting a goal that you have and being in reality about that. That was like a whole different thing. Yeah. It's, it's common for a lot of performers to have really cool, you know what we could do uh, in their world <laughs> without the consequence. I talked with someone today and was like, okay, now we're, we're deep in the study. I need you to start putting some stink on some things and getting some consequences. That, and I know us performers, we like to wiggle out of any commitments. Um, and so it's really hard when you have to confront that. And I really like the way you said it. And I'm, I'm thinking of, I, I'm so excited to get into this intuition and, and logic with you because I imagine that you were, I mean, really relying on the intuition and logic was telling you something's going on, but you're kind of fading it out, listening to the intuition a bit. Um, am I, am I reading that right? Or am I, am I using the, your terms uh, correctly on that? Yeah. The, like the moment when things changed is somewhere probably between session three and four with Kirkland. I was like kind of struggling and I wasn't doing the reading fast enough. And, you know, it was kind of, it was just a lot of information. Yeah. And what Kirkland, what Kirkland said to me is that if you continue on the path you're on in your business, you have the possibility of becoming a world famous psychic. Is that the pathway you want to be on? Mm. Now, I hadn't even thought about that that would be a pathway to go on because I hadn't, I hadn't gotten my mind wrapped around where was this thing going? Yeah, I was just doing the thing and hoping for making more money so that this then could be my full-time job. Like that was the only planning of any sort I had had. And when he said that, and I, I literally said to him, no, I definitely don't want that. I do not want that. That is not what I'm up for. And he said, okay, well, you're going to have to find a way to quantify intuition. Mm. And it, it caused kind of like a ripple in the matrix, like that part when they noticed the thing and he's like starting, it's like, it was like that. It caused just a total ripple and rip in time space for me where it was, I now have to find a way to bridge logic, like reality with intuition and I have to yeah. quantify it. And that then was, um, it not only had me confront that and create what was next, but it had me think about if I'm talking to logical people, how do I talk to them about intuition in a way that lands with less resistance. I had to learn to construct a narrative about intuition that would actually work. Uh, and that was a big turning moment. Wow. This is very good. I love this. This is exciting because I know what's going to happen next. So we're going to come right back with Shoshana in a second when and find out what happened when she took those great ideas and actually confronted what it would take to shift how she was viewed so she could achieve them. Thank you so much, Sashana. We'll be right back in just a second. But we want to make sure that we take a second to remind you that this podcast is possible because of Influential U's self-guided program, Thrive. If you haven't heard of Thrive, it's our self-paced learning tool that gives you the tools you need to level up, regardless of where you might be in your career. Now, we used to only give this away for seven days, but after begging and begging, we finally got it so that we could give 30 days away so you can try this program for 30 days for free. We're literally giving you a whole month to test drive Thrive. Now, if you'd like to test drive, the coupon code is 30 days. It's 30DAYS when you get into influentialu.global. Or in the US or Canada, you can text the word Thrive to 805 262 9008 and we'll send you the registration right to your mobile phone. Again, text the word THRIVE to 805-262-9008 and you can cancel at any time. 
Go to influentialu.global forward slash thrive and use the keyword 30 days. Now, welcoming Shoshana back. It's so fun because you wrote there were multiple eye-opening moments in the beginning of your participation. And you already mentioned a few, but then you talked about that training session that Kirkland and you did the basic math. Do you still remember what that math equation was? Because I think it might be fun to just give that out right now to some people that might be listening. It was, um, no, because it was so (laughs) confronting that my brain melted, but essentially it was, uh, it, you know, and Kirkland's wicked smart. So it was like considering inflation, considering the value of the dollar, considering the kind of lifestyle you'd want to live. And then you projected it out in the future and how much even to live at 50% of the level you live now. And I was like, oh God, that, no, that's terrible. I don't have anything handled. Uh, that was definitely a moment of despair, but you know, grateful that Kirkland gave it to me straight. <laughs> right, and thank God he gave it to you at 36 and we didn't wait until later, right? So I'll, I'll say this, for those of you listening, if you wanna just write down a real simple math equation so that you can have this and kind of look at how we talk about it, it's real simple. Think about the number that you want per year after your retirement. So let's say it's $100,000, just for an example, because you live somewhere where apparently that's affordable. So you pick $100,000. Now you're going to, uh, oh, John Patterson might have to put in the comments what you do. We're going to double it and add a zero. So therefore, 100000 is going to become 200000 plus we're going to add a zero. So $2 million. So $2 million in assets at 65 will probably get you very close to what you're looking for. And when you start to look at it from that perspective, and people often, Shoshana, you probably know this, people often don't think of that exit strategy as they're starting. And so why are they working? Why are we, what is the aim of all of this? And I imagine that that was part of the thinking that was given to you was that ability to say, wait, wait, what are we building here? Can you tell me more about kind of that conversation and what happened when you started to plan for things? Well, it, it went in two steps. First, he said, you need an offer that will allow you to leave your job. So we have to look at it that way. How much do you make at your job? And then what's an offer that would equate that? And then um, then he had me kind of do all the math of, you know, what's the lifestyle that you want to live? What do everything cost? And then once we figured all that out, it was you need an exit strategy that looks like having a chunk of money put away and building the business to a sustainable level. And when those two things equate to what you need, then then your job can be over. And that's that's how we planned it. Now, and it happened immediately, right? And you just put the band-aid on that was influential UFOT and suddenly, no, it actually took John! some time. Yeah, it, 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 it took some deliberate work and action on your part. How long did it take approximately after you studied with Fundamentals of Transaction before you were able to do your new role uh, full-time? Two years. Wow. Okay. A little, like maybe a little over two years. Yeah. Um, any regrets for the amount of time it took or anything that you kind of learned or anything you'd, you'd share with us about those two years? Um, so I did, I did FOT in January of 2012. And I think it's like nine months, right? So then towards the end of the year, and then I was, now I had all the information and then I needed to build a transaction. And then I, you know, all the business owners get it. Then I had to figure out, okay, what's the new offer? How am I going to market that? How many people? And I had to do all that work. And that probably took a solid year to get that really going. And then I gave notice at my job. 
And then that took, and she, because I was working for a family, she wouldn't take less than 12 months of notice. Wow. Yeah. And for me, I was a little bit nervous about leaving a full-time position because I'd never only worked for myself before. So it felt like, um, rather than being disappointed or having regret, I actually felt pretty good about the plan and having a little extra time. Um, when I left and my very first day, September 1st, 2014, it was like, I'm ready. I felt quite ready. Um, and you know, still nervous, but at least I had a very clear plan and kind of knew what I was going to be doing. That's so good. And I, I love that because there's so many times that I hear people go that I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to get there. And I feel like a lot of times that's where we fit It's Hey, here's how you can get there. Here's the process, follow these steps and it's going to take time and you're going to have to build it. And you know, wherever you are, keep working on it. You know what to do, get in that fulfillment and do it. And then it starts to happen and we start to make moves and we start to stop being such victims and actually go and do the thing that we're looking to do. So I love that. Um, now you, what's really fun about this is you had a lot of really great experiences that came about fairly soon after you started your business. It says here that you appeared on the, for a Washington post panel, a Google fireside chat, multiple podcasts and morning shows. You've become known as an expert in your field. You've attracted high value clients across the world, including NFL coaches. And by the way, my fantasy team is doing really well, but I did lose Justin Jefferson. So if you have any tips, we can talk about that later. You've worked with None high, profile, whatsoever. <laughs> high profile politicians and million and billion dollar founders. And a lot of that was due to how you started to create your identity. I'd love to hear a little bit about that positioning and, and what you were constructing when you started to construct that. Mostly when people talk about intuition, they're, uh, it sounds esoteric or mysterious. And mm -hmm. so, um, and I say that first because how I constructed my, my own narrative and my own identity was recognizing how people listen to people using the word intuition and even intuitives and intuitive decision-making. So I would find myself in places talking to people who had a listening of intuition, like the way they believed in it sounded really esoteric. So I went about thinking about intuition and constructing the conversation in the relationships I had that it was intuition for the real world. And that, that was sort of like the first, way that I rolled out the, you know, how people begin to relate to me. Like, oh, she's the person who talks about intuition, but you can use it in your business and it doesn't require a crystal ball. Like mm -hmm. it landed, like people understood what that meant because I was using the narrative that already existed in the marketplace as like a reflection of that I was different. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that too, because intuition is like, like you said, you know, I, I dated a, a young lady who claimed that she was an she was intuitive, and I remember not knowing much about it because my background didn't really have a, a lot of that in, in in my world, and it always felt like really mysterious. And but to codify it or to make it something that hey, we're actually able to measure the type of intuition that we're teaching and show what you can actually do. Um, I imagine that there's a lot of things that people don't realize go into intuition, maybe some listening skills, some, some, you know, really being paying attention as to what we're talking about. But I imagine that 
being able to differentiate between others and how they taught it and how you were able to kind of, it sounds like make it more of an objective uh, practice rather than a subjective thing. Um, tell me yes. about like when you started to, to, to actually quantify that and build this identity, how did people take to it? Like how did, how did that lead to bigger and bigger clients for you? Well, how people would hear about me was through, for example, I had a client who is a coach of coaches in, in Vancouver, Canada, and he told people I was his seer, right? So he used even the old languaging of intuitive. And then okay. I would get on the phone with these people and they would go, well, you know, you're like, it's really practical. You seem like a coach. And I would say, yes, this is coaching. However, I'm using my gift of intuition to coach you. And then I, and they would say, well, could you do this like in a boardroom and listen to everybody in the boardroom and tell me where the miscommunication is happening between members of the board? And I said, yeah, I can definitely do that. And I did that enough that it then led me to go, if you, I can do it for you, or if you'd like, and I prefer, I'd rather teach you how to do it for yourself. And the moment that it switched from, let me do it for you to let me teach you how you have the same ability that everyone is born with the ability to be intuitive. And I define intuition as a direct way of knowing or understanding something without any prior experience. And that mm -hmm. sort of is what distinguishes it from logic. Logic is based on experience, knowledge acquired like that, whereas intuition is not that. And that defined like the moment that I defined it that clearly then led me to, oh, let me introduce you to this person. And then I would meet that person and they would go, have you ever thought about doing like a fireside chat at Google? No, have never thought about that. You should come do that. Come to DC and talk about the unfair advantage, how intuition can be used in business. Great. And then that led to, and that's kind of how it goes. It's the, when you begin to build an ecology around you of influence, which is, you know, sort of what they talk about in influence you, when you meet people who understand the narrative that you're talking about and it begins to change the listening that people have of you and what you do, then it just becomes pretty easy to have conversations for what else is possible. Where else could I be? Who else could I work with? Where else is this like translatable, transferable? Who else would love to have access to their intuition so that they can innovate in their in their market, in their industry, in their business, in their relationships. Yeah. Now, I imagine that everyone has a level of intuition. I imagine that it can be trained. I imagine that that's really a lot of what your offer is. But it says here that you decline a lot of offers and accept only the ones that not only sound fun, but also move you closer to meeting your conditions of life. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience because that seems like there's not a lot of people that are in a similar coaching field or, or something like in coaching that tend to decline as much or even talk about it as much as you just did in the in the show notes i'd love to hear more about that <laughs> so anyone else who's listening to this who has climbed in their industry and have a reputation for being knowledgeable experienced and great probably get an overwhelmingly large number of invitations, offers, and requests. So that's me. I get a lot of offers, invitations, and requests. And because other people still relate to intuition esoterically or mysteriously, sometimes I get invited to be a speaker at or a teacher at a kind of 
personal development, woo, we're going to do yoga and like, you know, chakra kind of teaching stuff, which is all totally fine. But for the most part, the kind of people that I love teaching are not at those kind of retreats. And so a lot of times I'll get offers from, from people in my industry, in the intuition industry that are more, um, based on an identity that's not who I am. And yeah. so, uh, in the beginning I said yes to everything because I was feeling desperate for and wanting more people to know about me, but over, you know, as that goes, the accurate thinking is if this helps my identity and it is in alignment with who I say that I am and the identity I want in the marketplace, it's a yes. But if it's not, and actually has people see me in a way that is woo is a word I use woo being something metaphysical, which I'm super metaphysical, but in my business, the people I love working with are leaders who are going to use intuition to then impact thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people. That's the kind of people that I love to, to coach and to train and to work with. And so if, <laughs> and I just, I just declined an offer uh, the other day, which was about coming to, to Mexico, really nice woman, but it was, it was really esoteric and the kind of people who were in the room are not the, the you know millionaire and billionaire founders who are interested in contributing to communities and shifting and majorly impacting people. I really love working with those kind of people because my work works well with that. That's great. I love that. Now, what's next for the business? I know that you've got some things that you say you need to do, want to do. What's next to, to grow the business next? Um, there are three very specific things. One is continuing to leverage relationships I have to find better spots on bigger stages. So more speaking um, and speaking in industries and on stages that um, that this conversation about intuition is like a little bit of a, um, you know, like it's kind of exciting and it's like the odd thing. And so <laughs> makes makes what I'm talking about more intriguing and interesting. Uh, second thing to work on the business is um, learn how to bring more uh, judge into it. So either hiring someone who's a judge or collaborating with someone who's a judge who can help me look at all the things that I roll out and make sure they're having desired effects uh, because I don't I don't have any accurate thinking about that. And then the third thing is completing a book and uh, like the book about what I teach about um, intuitive decision making. So it's about three quarters done. So wow. getting that finished, those are the next things. All right. Well, you'll let us know when it comes out because we, I mean, have a stack somewhere. I think it's right behind me. We've got a stack of books. I want to make sure you get on there. So that's so good. Thank you. <laughs> um, at the end of the interviews, I love taking a, a moment just to have you tell a little bit about your expertise, kind of a soapbox moment, if you will, in which you get to tell us a little bit about exchanges. And I, I would love to hear uh, something that you wrote in the notes about the three types of uh, decisions that, are, that there are, I think that would be really valuable, but I'd love to hear that first. And if there's anything else that you'd like to add, I'd love to hear that as well. So there are three ways we all make decisions. One is logic. Uh, logic is amazing for making decisions related to uh, solving problems or avoiding making a mistake. So if you get a flat tire, um, you don't need to tap into your intuition. You just need to call AAA. For those not in the U.S., basically, it's a service that comes and picks you up and takes your car to the repair place. Uh, the second way we make decisions is emotional reactivity. 
And that is not in my area of expertise. People who have a behavioral science background, they help in emotional resiliency and nervous system and all of that. When we make decisions emotionally reactive, we've all done it where we buy things, say yes to things, or um, you know, burn a bridge that maybe we don't mean to because we're upset. Um, and then the third way we make decisions is intuitive decision-making. And mostly what I find is that people have had some experience of intuition. It is rare that I speak to a group where people go, I've never had that experience. People sometimes say, well, there was this one time that I had kind of this feeling about this job and I decided not to take it and then found out the company closed a month later, like those kind of things. But mm. intuitive decision-making is applying intuition to decisions and intuitive decision-making is best for innovation, creation, thinking about what's possible. So mostly the people I work with who want to learn about intuitive decision-making are already successful in logic and logical decision-making. They already know how to apply their expertise and their knowledge to make decisions. However, they've reached a, a point in their career or their business where what they know is not getting it done. So short story, uh, one of my clients uh, started a technology company and she went from five employees to 40 in a very short amount of time, about three and a half months. And at the time we were doing intuitive training, she was taking my mentoring, she was learning how to trust her own intuitive knowing and how she would normally manage her team was they would all meet together in a room and then she would you know, check in with them, make sure they had what they needed. But when you have 40 employees, you can't have like a break room meeting with 40 people. It's not effective. It's not, it doesn't work. So she instead created a tool for herself. It was a practice from the work that we do, that I do called, where does my business need my attention today? So she did that every day, every morning. One morning, she asked that question. And what came to her was one of her employees in Costa Rica, uh, this gentleman, Marco. So she he popped in her head and she thought, let, let me call the manager in Costa Rica and check in on Marco. Picked up the phone, called and talked to the manager. And what Marco, to find out, she, the guy said, this is so weird that you're calling. Marco's been out sick for a week. And my client was like, I have a bad feeling about this. So she said, can you just do me a favor? Can you check um, Marco's sign on? And so he did. Marco had been logging in every day he was sick and downloading data. And if she had not received that intuitive knowing, right, completely outside of what she knew or her experience, it would never have occurred to her to check in about Marco. So that's a really extreme example, but yeah. people use their intuition to get a heads up about things. They use it to um, ask questions that would not occur in logic. Another client of mine asked, uh, she was at a party and she heard someone talking about ringing the bell on Wall Street to close the day out. And she said, how does someone get to do that? And and like she had the feeling like it was very clear to her. And the guy said, why are you interested? Now, logic told her this was a big wig, you know, Wall Street guy was to bow out. But instead, her intuition was like, tell him. She said, yeah, I want to do that. He's like, all right. They picked a date and she rang the bell. Wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> like it can lead you to new sure. possibility, new opportunities that would never have even come into your, your logic, which was why I was growing my business in the beginning without any accurate thinking and still doing okay was because my intuition led me to opportunities. It was when I combined logic and intuitive decision-making after having all of that training 
that my business then got to the level it is now where I find myself working with the kind of people I work with now, the leaders I work with now. That's so good. Um, I'm, I have one last question because I, I just think it's, it's the one that I can't kind of shake out of my head. I've had people that have said, hey, you just popped in my mind. I just want to make sure you're okay. What, what do you teach your clients when, you know, you have this intuitive thought, you reach out and the person's like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. Why are you reaching out to me? What do you say about kind of those intuitive moments that maybe, um, maybe it didn't sink the way that they thought it would, or maybe it didn't really fit the intuition, didn't really fit what the reality was, or I'd love to, maybe you can even explain the question better than I asked it, but I'd love to hear That's what you great. think there. That's a great question. So in my in my experience, most of us, our intuition comes to us unbidden. Like it just comes in a warning or someone's face in our head or something like that. But what I teach is how to use your intuition intentionally as a tool. So then just, mm. just like uh, if you've not worked out a day and all of a sudden you decided to lift a 50 pound dumbbell, you will break yourself, right? So I don't recommend that people make life-changing, intense decisions about their business, their relationships, using intuition before it's actually trained, just like anything else. So uh, if someone's if, if someone popped in my head, which does happen, I don't check in to make sure they're not okay, because some of that could be my brain and past experience. Instead, I just go, you just popped in my head, what's going on? to see and they go, and sometimes it's, that's so weird that you called me. I was just reading an article online about intuition or they go, oh my gosh, I was just talking about yesterday when your ears ringing. It just depends. It's not always that something's wrong, but we can definitely make that assumption based on experience, which is not the same thing as intuition, just not the same thing. I love that. I love that. And I'm, I'm putting this in the chat and I know a lot of people were reading it while you were saying, but I, I invited Matthew Hagum, who's a good friend of the show, and, and he's been a client. And I told him before this, I was like, you're going to love Shoshana because this is right up your alley because of the conversations we had. He wrote, my life has gotten so much better since listening to my intuition and seeing the corrections or synch synchronous. I'm never going to say that synchronicities, word. Synchronicities. Connections and synchronicities. <laughs> <laughs> I need both transactional competence and my intuition to make great decisions. And I love that. Um, any comments on, on what he said there, Shoshana? Um, I just read an article today on Inc. Magazine online talking about how great leaders, successful leaders use their intuition. Um, and the examples they gave were um, Richard Branson, uh, Sarah Blakely, uh, Steve Jobs, uh, Oprah. And I love what Matthew's saying because it's not about one or the other. And I think sometimes because of the background, the esoteric background or the dogmatic approach or spiritual approach to intuition in the past, people feel like they have to either choose intuition or logic. And I believe as human beings, we are intersectional, right? We're not just one thing or the other. So I mm. could not agree with Matthew Moore. My transactional competency combined with my superpower of intuition has had me talk to politicians, has had me in rooms with billion dollar founders. That would not have happened without the combination of both. Well, that's if there's a better place to end this one, it, well, I didn't hear it. So that was fantastic. Thank you so much, Shoshana. And I'm going to back sell you on there. And thank you so much for being our guest today. It's a pleasure to have you. you. All right. Now, if you'd like to know more about us here, you can go to influencerU.global, where you can explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. 
We offer a four-year curriculum for those that are seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're brand new to Influential You, we highly recommend that you begin with Thrive. It's our self-guided training. Thrive is a self-guided program that allows you to learn at your own pace. Our Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to our faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences. And in fact, the next one's in Hawaii, so you'll want to get that. Sign up today and use promo code 30DAYS for that free 30-day test drive of Influential Use Thrive program. That code, 30DAYS, and you may cancel at any time. Thank you for listening. Today, we stream our podcast at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, so you can easily share it with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other place that you get quality podcasts. Please view our show notes for links and ways that you can connect with our guests today, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads that we spoke about on today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world, with a special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, and contributions from John Patterson, Michael Teehee, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, and Liz Smiley with a very special thanks to our special guest today, Shoshana French. And I hope that, well, let's put her website one more time, Tiki, right there at the bottom for it so we can have it for everybody. Please go and check out her website, simplespirit.com. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. And this episode was recorded on October 11th, 2023, my father's birthday. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Trained Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, come on, you've been listening to this forever. Get on there and tell everybody how much you love us on iTunes or your podcast app and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. And we'll see you next time on the Influential You podcast.